Hello and welcome to episode number 66 of the Audio Podcast. As always, with the boys, Jason and Alex Von Cannell. How are you this morning, Alex? Oh, I'm really good. Uh, I want to start with a brief couple of anecdotes, and then I know you've got something that you want to get into, and then we're going to get into the bulk of what we'll be discussing today. Yeah, let's make the first 30 seconds light. Yeah, well, I've got, I've got a couple of light things just to quickly throw out there. Number one is, uh, word on the street is that we have picked up some Israeli viewers. Hey, so a big welcome. shalom to our Israeli viewers. Welcome. Welcome, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, obviously we've spoken about Israel a lot in the yeah. last couple of months. So um, any feedback that you guys have of sort of what you're going through and what life is like over in Israel, uh, obviously in regards to everything that's going on, please uh, either... Leave us a comment or uh, you know, hit us up on social media at the RDO Podcast on Instagram. It's probably the best way to go. So yeah, big shalom to our Israeli viewers. Yeah, that's cool. We're getting a bit of an international audience. Like and subscribe. Share if you need it. We, we, we keep telling ourselves we have to ask people because that's the best way. Every time we've asked, yeah. the, the audience has delivered yeah. and we forget to ask. Yeah, so smash that like button and subscribe. Um, we'll and just send it to a friend that you think needs it needs to hear it. That that's the and that's then the ask biggest them to thing. like and subscribe. Yeah, that, that's the biggest way that I think that you can help us out with the channel. Obviously, a lot of the stuff that we speak about is a little bit polarizing, but if you think that there's a friend in your group or a family member that needs to hear it, or you know, there's a lot of people out there that are feeling a certain way and feeling like they're extremely isolated in that in their thoughts. Uh, those are the sort of people that maybe you can share this with. So. Uh, they can see that there's a lot more people out there yeah. that, uh, that feel the same way. Um, the other brief anecdote I wanted to bring up was some feedback I got from a viewer in regards to you. Oh? Uh, apparently, you look like Dan Andrews. Because <laughs> of my ears? I, think, I, I think hope it's not the ears. I think it's the ears. I think it's the haircut. <laughs> I think Gee, it's the that, general dislikability as well. I think that's the well. most slanderous thing <laughs> anyone could say about anyone. <laughs> moment so, so uh, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah good troll i like that yeah um, no. get on the beers yeah i think you need to grow the beard back maybe to uh to <laughs> nah, beard's get rid of the look beard's not coming back i don't like it don't like it nah it just it looks messy on me and mm. and i i don't like the itchy neck and i don't like having to like clean shaven shaven have it that's that's what i always say fair enough see I, I don't get the itchy neck or anything like that i can't say it looks clean on me and if you guys may have noticed too that i've had a bit of a Haircut, which I was just telling Alex before. I'd like to say that I chose to go back to being bald, <laughs> but in reality, I was shaving my uh, the sides of my mohawk, and then I sneezed this week, and I cut a massive chunk out of the back of it. So I thought, just thought I'd clean the slate and start again. Did I talk about that? How that kind of happened to me when I got rid of the beard first time? No. The motivation behind it was when I got a haircut and I get them to trim a beard. And there's a particular guy in my barbershop that I never wanted to use because I've seen the quality of work. Uh, so yeah. good. There's always one in every Yeah, there's a lady in there that I really, really like. Yeah. There's another guy in there that I really, really like. Yep. But it was so busy and he was the next one up. So against my better judgment, I got him to do it. Mm-hmm. And when you get your beard trimmed, you lay back and they put this extension, this headrest extension on. So you're not looking at yourself. And then when I came up, there was a massive chunk <laughs> taken out, like all the way to my chin. And I said to the guy, he goes, oh, are you happy with that? I said, Dude, what's with the big <laughs> chunk out of the chin? And he goes, oh, no, no, you just grow funny. I said, yeah, I grow funny. And you've taken a chunk exactly one razor width <laughs> yeah. out of there. And he goes, oh, do you want me to try and fix it up? Like, yes, please. So I tried to fix it up and I looked like Craig David. <laughs> and then I realized, I looked at my watch and went, 
oh, it's not 2004 anymore. Yeah. Like, the chin strap is no longer And AR. then you were walking away from the beard. Yeah, yeah. And so. the troubles in your life. And I wish I knew another Craig David song that I could uh, have rebounded with. Yeah. But so I just wasn't that his only song. No, nah, I know no, he had no, others no, as well. He was, was yeah, he had some bangers too back in the day. Yeah, but um, I can't rock the Craig David. No, no one can rock the Craig no, David at, at, anymore. Um, sorry for looking at my phone, guys. I've just got a couple of notes here. But before we get stuck into it today, we are going to be covering some pretty heavy stuff uh, in this episode. Uh, and I'll just give you a quick rundown too. So. Firstly, uh, we're going to be covering some a really big um, what's what's the term for it? A really big thing I've noticed on the TGA Weekly Safety Report, which right. I want to go into because um, I haven't really looked at it much over the last yeah. few weeks because it just says all the same stuff over and over again. It's a bit strange. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of want to go through that. I also want to go through. There's a, a British medical journal. Uh, publication that came out this week, which was pretty damning as mm. far as uh, the phase three trials of the Pfizer vaccine. So we'll get into that. And I also wanted to go through uh, a letter that Queensland Liberal MP, uh, sorry, Senator Jared Rennick sent to APRA, which is very, very interesting as well. But before we get into all that stuff, you wanted to speak about Squidcoin. So crypto. Back on the crypto thing. So crypto's been working. Anyone that's in it has knows that they've been going. Yeah, blinter. Like crazy. Yeah, it's 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 been a very fun ride. But I suppose this is a warning to new players out there. They get caught up in what we are what we are affectionately call shit coins. Mm. A shit coin being something that's just made up and often rides on something. That's pre-existing in the marketplace. So, for yeah. example, Dogecoin was the first meme coin. Yep. It was the meme of the Doge dog. Yep. And some created a, a coin as a joke. Elon Musk pushes it. It goes ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Shiba Inu was the next one to just say, hey, let's let's make another dog coin. Yeah. And then people will fall for it. Absolutely did. Mm-hmm. And some people made a lot of money out of Shiba. But for everyone that made money, there was like someone else that lost yeah. Money, right, and yeah, yeah. and I see it all the time. There's there's these people saying, "Oh, like I've lost, you know, I've lost all my savings and rah rah." There was one that came out that was called Squid Coin, mm-hmm. and the website was bullshit. Like a friend texted me and said, "Hey, can you tell me? Like I'm his advisor when it comes to anything anything investment." Mm. And he goes, "Can you can you tell me about this Squid Coin?" And I said, "I said I've not looked at it." But it's a scam. <laughs> I don't need to look at it. It's a scam. Yeah. Hot Netflix show comes out. Squidcoin comes out. Mm. And it's going to be a scam. Anyway, I put it off. I put it off. I just kept pushing away like, no, 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 no. Anyway, he goes, I'm doing it. I have to analyze a crypto thing for a project that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, do it on Squidcoin. I said, I'm not doing it on Squidcoin. <laughs> anyway, that the, the morning, it went to zero. Yeah. And basically... The, the the scam is let's start something hot. Mm-hmm. Let's produce a billion coins out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Call them something cool, and a nice little nifty trick is when it's worth zero point zero 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 one of a cent. When you add a hundred dollars to it, what that does to the percentage increase 
is huge. It looks massive, yeah. Yeah, so when when a lot of new players to the market, to the crypto game, look at a cryptocurrency uh, percentage gainers list, mm. it ranks really high. Mm-hmm. And there you go, you put a money, uh, you put money in, hundred bucks, twenty bucks, fifty bucks, thousand yeah. bucks, whatever the whatever it is, and then that just pushes it and pushes it and pushes it. And at one point, it was up like thirty thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. And then all that happens is the squid coin owners just scrape the money and just go, yep, sweet, cancel yep. everything. Cash out. See Cash later. out. And it, it is an absolute scam. You've got to be careful out there. Yeah. If you can't explain what the coin does, don't invest in it. Mm-hmm. It's gambling. Yeah. It's, it's, gambling. it's the same with investing in any stock. Mm. Like, you would never invest in a business when you're like, I don't have a clue what that business does. Like, what, what, on what principle are you investing if you like if you just went in onto the asx yeah and just picked a stock did no like had, had no idea what it even relates to yeah. you would never put your money on that yeah you just wouldn't but for some reason people think in crypto it's a smart idea and look some people like it some people have made some good money out of it but mm. but it's just gambling it's just coin toss like yeah. am i am i rich or am i broke flick yeah and the majority of people lose money out of those sorts of shit yeah. coins. Yeah. So, mm. it, but what's interesting to me is that this reminds me very much so of what th- what the midpoint of the last 2017 crypto pump cycle was like. Mm-hmm. Because the same sorts of things were happening. Yeah. Whereas yeah. it took a while to actually get into this yeah. situation. We've been going for like 12 months now. That is true. So, like, old coins are starting to pop off now. And so I think that a lot of dodgy people starting to see opportunities mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, so be careful out there, guys. Yeah, you've got to be careful. Um, all right, should we get yeah. stuck in? Okay. I don't know why the computer's doing that. It's very, con- very concerning to me, but it should be sweet. So I just want to start off with uh, the TGA. So the therapeutic... I know why. Go. Go. Yeah. Uh, so the Therapeutic Goods Administration... Ah, that'll be it. Thank you. The Therapeutic Goods Administration of Australia has a thing called a weekly COVID safety report, which is in regards to COVID vaccines. And they essentially capture all the adverse events, etc., etc. We've covered that on the podcast many times before. And to be honest with you, I've sort of stopped looking at it because whilst all the noise that you hear around vaccine-related injuries keeps increasing, the numbers on the TGA site don't increase as far as deaths go. Right. They're still only saying that they have confirmed nine people have died from AstraZeneca. Right. That's it. That's that still... the same number that they've... That's been... the same number that's been there for months. Yeah. Right? So, anyway, I just for some reason went to just check it the other day, and now they've actually got another section in there uh, specifically about myocarditis, and I'll just scroll down. Because myocarditis was not a uh, AZ issue it was no also a it's, Pfizer it's an mrna issue yeah. so pfizer and moderna are both experiencing myocarditis issues so they've got a full sort of rundown of what it is and uh i'll put all of the links to all of these things on the show notes on youtube for this so you can actually go and read them in full yourself but what is very interesting is this section down here so it says details of australian cases to the 31st of october 2021 We have observed a higher than expected number of cases of myocarditis in vaccinated compared to unvaccinated individuals for Comirnaty, which is the Pfizer vaccine. This is similar to findings from other drug regulators overseas. 
the Global Advisory Committee on Vaccine Safety at the World Health Organization has recently stated that current evidence suggests likely causal association between myocarditis and the mRNA vaccines. I'm just going to repeat that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The World Health Organization has recently stated that current evidence suggests a likely, likely, mm. causal mm-hmm. association between myocarditis and the mRNA vaccines. So then it goes on to say, higher rates of myocarditis and pericarditis have been reported with Spikevax, which is Moderna, than with Comirnaty, which is Pfizer, in some countries, including the UK. And the assumption there is because the Moderna dosage is higher than the Pfizer dosage. And, but also, right, didn't the Pfizer dose reduce? Yeah. yeah. So it, I bl- so it used to be 100, then, it's, then it was down to 30. Yeah, that's that's yep. right. I think it was 100 and then down to 60, and whereas Moderna's still 100, but yep. Pfizer's still at 60. Now, then it continues just to say, however, because use of spike vax Moderna is still relatively low, we're not able to calculate reliable reporting rates for the population. So that's the TGA saying that about Australia, because we only started using Moderna fairly recently. Yeah, which is hilarious, because they can sure as hell uh, quote every other figure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what, what, is, what is really, really concerning to me about this is we're still pushing forward with these mRNA vaccinations. So the data is saying that there is a likely causal association between mRNA and myocarditis. Mm. Now, just for all of you who aren't sure of what myocarditis actually is, I've gone to the Mayo Clinic to get a, uh, a full breakdown of what it is. So the overview. I really don't like that name, Mayo Clinic, because I always think of mayonnaise, like a mayonnaise company. Yeah. Start this clinic, the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart muscle. The inflammation can reduce your heart's ability to pump and cause rapid or abnormal heart rhythms. Infection with a virus usually causes myocarditis, and they have said many times that you can get myocarditis from COVID as well. Right. Uh, sometimes myocarditis can result from a reaction to a drug or be part of a more general inflammatory condition. Signs and symptoms include chest pain, fatigue, shortness of breath, and rapid or irregular heartbeats. So this is the bit that concerns me. Severe myocarditis weakens your heart so that the rest of your body doesn't get enough blood. Clots can form in your heart, leading to a stroke or heart attack. Mm. So one thing I just want to throw out there before we discuss this further. If any of you have had an mRNA vaccine and you're experiencing any of these symptoms, chest pain, fatigue, shortness of breath, or rapid or regular heartbeats, please go and see a doctor. Yeah, straight away. Please, straight away. Um, You sent through a bunch of articles this morning about sports people who seem to be just dropping like flies at the moment. And obviously, if you've got an inflamed heart and then you go and physically exert yourself over the top, you're going to be putting even more pressure on that muscle. Which is interesting because when I know that the Australians are being told to like not do anything strenuous for like 24 hours... Yeah. Whereas in the States, they're saying... They're saying seven, seven days. days. Yeah. yeah, minimum seven days after. And and that's something that I've asked a lot of uh, friends of mine who've gone and got it for various reasons, is like, what were you told to do? Mm. The majority of them said they weren't told anything. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, some of them who told me they were going to go and get vaccinated before they actually did it, I said, can you just ask them about it? And then when they asked the doctors, they were saying, oh yeah, like 24 hours and you should be fine. But this is majorly concerning for me. Because the, the like 
I'm not a doctor. Yeah. But the heart's pretty important in the function, well, the overall function. Of yeah, the and, and from other things I've read about myocarditis as well, like there is no insignificant damage to the heart. Like yeah. any sort of heart inflammation can cause scarring on the heart, which can obviously transfer into huge issues down the track. Mm. So it might not even be something that happens straight away. But if you're 20 and you get heart scarring and then as you age and maybe, you know, get more unfit or something like that, like you're, you're, the ability for your heart to do its job is just not going to be the yeah. same as it was beforehand. And what really concerns me about this, number one, we continue to push on with gay abandon with this vaccine rollout yeah. and continue to pressure younger and younger people into getting yeah. it. The TGA is talking about uh, approving potentially the vaccine for five to 11 year olds. And we know that it is going to get approved. It'll get approved. Now, what is a very interesting note on this for me, because we always approve generally based on what happens overseas, particularly mm. in America. So America has just approved Pfizer for five to 11 year olds, mm. but under emergency use authorization. Right. Now, what I find fascinating about this, Pfizer is approved by the FDA. Yeah. It's approved. So why are you, why are you getting an emergency use authorization for kids? If, the, if, if Pfizer itself is approved, why is this different? Why yeah. is this under emergency use? The other thing too is we went through the stats last week. In America, they've had 1.5 million cases of COVID in children and 100 deaths. Where is the emergency? Yeah. Where is the emergency? I saw some interesting stat in Australia. They were talking about mandating vaccines before for kids before they get to have swimming training. And the stat was like, you have a high chance of drowning. Yeah. Then you do woof. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, honestly, it's it. This stuff is. If you're not like, seeing a desperate push, a yeah. desperate, desperate, desperate push, mm. uh, like it's it's still it still makes no sense. Everything right. still makes no sense. There's still like uh, Palaszczuk put out a tweet today saying like you've only got a certain amount of time before you know it's it's coming to get you and. Yeah, like they keep saying that the virus is going to hunt down the unvaccinated. Yeah. That language is fucking disgusting. Yeah. Seriously. It is dis- from a leader of a country who's supposed to be doing their job to protect people. Mm. And protecting people's not just physical, it's mental as yeah. well. I mean, how many times have we stopped the spread of COVID in Queensland? We seem to have let COVID into our community many times over the last six months. And it doesn't go anywhere. But this is my argument. Like, it doesn't matter if you've got a hundred percent vaccination rate. Yep. We are all going to come into contact with COVID mm-hmm. eventually. Yep. So what's why is why is it different now to like or, or December seventeen or whatever the, these forward dates that they're setting? Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be what it's going to be. We just yep. got to deal with it. Yep. Like we just got to live with it. And a lot yep. of countries have just moved on. Yeah. And we should move on too, because mm. I'll give you the tip. The case numbers aren't going to go down. I don't care if you've got 100%. The case and the death numbers are not going down. And Singapore's a perfect example. Yeah. Have you had a look at their stats? I recently? haven't recently, but I, I know that they're still... What, are they getting record highs for cases and deaths now? They've had... The graph on Google has had to move, because they had such low... Right. Even before the... Um, um, you know, because they, they, they were locked down quite, quite quickly. Mm-hmm. But... Like in the early 2020s, they had their spike. Yeah. This, that spike is like a footnote compared to what's just happened. Yeah, yeah. It is way bigger. Yeah. Way bigger. Mm. And 
what do people say? Oh, it's because they opened up too soon. We, we heard on a podcast that the boots on the ground in, in, in Singapore said that's not the case. Mm. It is still locked down. You st- like, it's still masks. It's yep. still... I'm pretty sure vaccinated people can eat out together, but in groups of two. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not open. So, it, like, he, how much evidence do you need to see? It doesn't matter how much vaccination That's happens. right. And it, this is something, like, what's really interesting out of all this stuff is how the media and the governments continue to lie using statistics. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And one of the things that, honestly, it really, really enrages me at the moment is when anyone ever brings up Israel, and this is shouting out to our Israeli friends out there, whenever anyone brings up Israel, they're like, oh, Israel's not, like, all the anti-vaxxers keep saying that Israel's got a high vaccination rate, but in actuality, they're only at like 67% fully vaccinated. That's because they changed the definition of fully vaccinated. Mm. So they're at like over 90% double dose vaccinated. But now in Israel, to be classed as fully vaccinated, you have to have your booster shot. And they're already talking about a fourth shot. This is within 12 months. (laughs) 12 months. And you're telling us that this vaccine is effective? I'm not, I'm not even talking about the safe thing anymore. You're telling us the vaccine is effective and yet you're looking at a fourth shot within 12 months. Uh, they've been um, talking about on the news now. In Australia, TGA, we're approving booster shots for everyone. Of course we are. Now it's going to be probably booster shots every six to 12 months. Do you know what I find interesting about that is that that talk of booster shots came after the order that we had placed for 70 million doses yeah. of vaccine. So they, they knew this was the plan the whole time, guys. Yeah. They knew this was the plan the whole time. They, and like, it's not about health. It's, it's clearly it, not. Yeah, it can't be. Uh, I don't know. You would have seen that clip this week. Uh, Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan at the press conference talking about how their hospitals are under ridiculous amounts of pressure. And the thing is, Western Australia has been one of the most locked down states in the country. Yep. Pretty much no one in or out. Which I'm, I'm actually going uh, to say, the one positive thing that's happened out of that is probably the Cleo Smith story that happened this week. Because yeah. if that dude could have left the state, maybe you would have problems. Mm. So that that might be the one good thing that's happened out of these lockdowns. But he was at a press conference and he's talking about how much pressure their hospital system is under and how it's unprecedented levels. And he goes, and this is happening in every state in the country. And he's like, like everyone knows there's no COVID cases in WA. Yeah. Because they've been locked down for so long. Yeah. And his so excuse was, yeah, his excuse for this unprecedented demand in hospitalizations was, oh, there's some evidence that is suggesting that it's a delayed effect from COVID. What COVID? Yeah, the delayed effect of not having COVID? No, well, WA, the entire pandemic has had 1,100 cases. Yeah. So let's say that all 1,100 of those people had some sort of delayed onset issue yeah. from stemming from COVID. I'm pretty sure the medical system can handle 1,100 patients. Yeah. It's not that. But the problem is when you throw out some vague bullshit softball like that, people have to wonder, what is the actual issue? Is it, is it mental health issues? Are people harming themselves? Mm-hmm. Is that one of the reasons? Yeah. Is it vaccine-related injuries, as a lot of people are suggesting that it is? You know, what is the story? Yeah. What is the real story? Yeah. Like, actually have a look at the data. Yeah. Is it the fact that um, uh, GPs are refusing to see people because of COVID? Yeah. Is it that? Yeah. Is like, it people purely down to fear uh, not going and getting the checks that they're supposed to get done? Yeah, exactly right. Like, is it... Because yeah. if it was about health, 
we'd know we'd know the answer. That's right. But it's not. No, exactly. And and this is this is the thing. And again, if you if you're still not seeing it, guys, I don't know what else we need to say. When they when they deliberately leave out important pieces of information for us to be able to make an assessment, we have to assume it's the worst now. So like in Victoria at the moment, like we spoke about last week, where they report the deaths every day, but they don't report the vaccination status of the dead individuals. Why would they do that if the vaccine was working really well? Imagine how good a news story that would be for the vaccines. We had seven deaths overnight, all seven of them weren't vaccinated. We had 25 deaths overnight, all 25 of them weren't vaccinated. That'd be the best fucking sales pitch ever. Yeah. But no, they're not telling you the vaccination status of these individuals. Why is that? I don't know. On your, make make your own assumptions. On your run sheet, there are we uh, are we going to discuss the Queensland guy? We can we can because that that's that is an example. Now I I didn't read the article because I wasn't willing to pay. For, yeah, yeah, for that article. I'm not willing to pay for any mainstream media journalism not, anymore. Not mainstream. Sorry, corporate, corporate media, media journalism. Yeah. I'm not paying for any of it. Yeah. I even now, I'm so upset about our absolute negligence that we receive in this country from our media. Yeah. I'm so upset about it. Every single time I turn off the TV, because I've got a Foxtel box, the Foxtel box often stays on when the TV's off, I make sure I turn it off because I don't want to give anyone a rating that they yeah. don't deserve. You know what I mean? So funny, funny thing about... Um some of the corporate media. Yeah. You saw the lady, pro- the nurse in Adelaide yes. protesting. I sent you the clip. Yep. I, went, I had like eight people send me that clip on the same yeah, day. Yeah. I tried to find it on Twitter. Yep. It's gone. Yep. It's gone. I had to find it on like, uh, like a Rise telegram Australia page or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we know that all the media was there because they were in the clip. That's Channel right. Channel 7 was there. Channel yep. 9 was there. Channel 10, 10 was there because it was yep. really awkward. Some, no one Some poor lady the story. had to squat down and hold her Channel 7 thing out there. Yep. No one aired it. No it's, one aired it. It's not aired. And you can't even find the clip on social media. That's right. So if, if you guys don't know what we're referring to, uh, there was a clip that came out during the week of a nurse from South Australia who was at a protest. And they were protesting against the mandates. And uh, because... and. She was going off about the mainstream, well, the corporate media's uh, lack of reporting. So she mentioned that the ABC had said that about 100 nursing staff were being stood down in South Australia. And she said, no, it's more like 3,000. They're not reporting the, the real numbers. Uh, they're talking about the pressure on the hospital system, trying to pretend that it's COVID. This nurse was saying, no, these are vaccine-related injuries. Yeah. She mentioned myocarditis specifically. She said myocarditis is an extremely rare condition. And now, one in three people in their 20s that are coming through the doors are experiencing a form of myocarditis. Like, And she said, we, we have a low... The Australia's got the lowest... Um, organ donation rate. Yeah. Which is how are we going to get these guys' hearts? Yeah, because that's where where this can develop to and often does develop to is you need a heart transplant. Mm. Well, you're not going to get hearts from it. For like, to, to cover the amount of people that we're vaccinating, especially the amount of young people, you're not going to have hearts to cover that. So where... But where... The, yeah, what, sorry, what we're saying is there in the clip, there was three, I believe at least three different corporate media reporters... Channel 7, Channel 9, and I think it was uh, ABC it was, as well? Uh, it might have been ABC or 10. Yeah. Anyway, 
There was at least three of them that were there that had microphones out listening to this lady and not one ran the story. And, you, and now it's been scraped off social media. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Th- it, th- this is crazy. So the, the, the guy that was in Queensland that was too sick to talk, the Uber driver, mm-hmm. the potential super spreader, yeah. the young um, fit man who was so sick that he couldn't speak, mm-hmm. he's come out and said that he was used as a pawn by the health minister. That's right. The Queensland health minister. Mm-hmm. And Jason called it. I, I I can't believe I missed it when I saw the article showing him walking out to the ambulance. Yeah. Like he walked out. Yeah. You know, he, he walked out of his own apartment to yeah. go to the ambulance. Yeah. So, and they was trying to say that they, that he couldn't speak and therefore couldn't do contact tracing or know where he'd been. See, I, I had someone in my network contact me during the week, basically saying he feels that it's, all over and the majority like the mass has moved to the need to vaccinate like like they're 100% convinced because and he was citing that the comments on these nurses that were getting furloughed mm. all that all the comments were saying yes yeah, so they should they should lose their job if they're not going to get that yeah and i said to him if you take a step step out of that is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard mm-hmm. So, you, what you are suggesting, what these people are suggesting, is the person that's going to help you when you get sick mm-hmm. is going to lose their job. Yeah. And that's one thing, right? So, mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Number two, isn't that a hint? Yeah. That the medical people mm-hmm. don't want to do it? And then when I said that to him, he's like, yeah, but only 8% of them, apparently, only 8% of them... Uh, are are anti, and and I'm like no no that's that's I've noticed that's what they've reported mm. because they use the vaccinate. Yeah. Well, how many people don't want to lose their jobs? That's that right. Coerced. This is what we mentioned last week. Is how many? So I, I believe that eight percent is roughly what has yet to be vaccinated, and we're either stood down or I think three. So there was four. This is in Queensland. There were four thousand medical staff that were stood down on Monday. And I believe there's 3,000 more that haven't been vaccinated that are already on some form of leave, like uh, maternity leave right. or, or whatever. Now, I guess one of the key things to say is that this is stood down, this is not fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a key thing to point out. Yeah. Because this could all just... Hashtag litigation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Hashtag unfair dismissal. Well... Uh, this is another question I've got about it too, and this will be interesting to see how this stuff all starts to play out, is how long can you leave someone stood down for with no pay? Because I don't, I don't know. I think Queenslanders might be stood down either with pay or you can take your benefits. But then I've heard stories, like I think it might have even been in that clip, that there was like nurses in Victoria who don't want to get vaccinated who were told that they couldn't come to work. So they're like, okay, well, I'll take my long service leave. And they've been denied their long service leave claims because they're not vaccinated. Mm. Like... Is that not bonkers? And I, I remember reading a story probably months ago now about how there could be an insidious uh, aim behind these pressures that we're putting on the state medical staff because if you can convince them to leave of their own accord, then all of their things like their entitlements, like sick pay and stuff like that, will just disappear. So then it's a massive wiping of... Yeah, that's that's a corporate thing. That's yeah. a pretty common practice to yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's insidious, just that's just how it's done. Yeah. But 
But you're right. Like, is it is it not a hint when all those medical staff don't want to take the jab? Like, what are they seeing? Yeah. Because we're, we're sitting at home all day only watching the TV, being shown whatever we're supposed to be shown. What are the medical staff who deal with people on the other side of these things actually seeing? The other thing, too, about uh, medical staff not being vaccinated, they're only putting themselves at risk. Yeah. Because as, as the data continues to show, and all the stories that have come out this week continue to show, yeah. i.e. the gym in Sydney that had 15 COVID cases attached to it, even though they're only allowing fully vaccinated patrons. <gasps> How uh, was that possible? Shock horror! Uh, Melbourne Cup, two, two COVID cases from Melbourne Cups, and now everyone, there's like 10,000 people there or whatever, even though they're all fully vaccinated. Like, so if you're a nurse and you're not vaccinated, the only person that you're putting at risk is yourself from COVID. Mm. Now, perhaps they have just made a medical assessment and gone, well, in my age group, my level of health, I find it's less risky to get COVID. I've only got a 99.97% chance of surviving. Yeah. And then they, like, you've heard government people say, oh, but uh, if they spread it to the, the, uh, the entire workforce, then we're going to have no medical care. Like, that's it, nonsense. Well, did it happen last year in Queensland when no. the nurses were getting it? No. No. I mean, did it happen in Victoria when it first kicked off? No. <laughs> Show me a hospital that shut down during, yeah. like, any of these surges. No. Yeah. It didn't happen anywhere. So all this bullshit... Um, how come we're in Queensland we're building a quarantine facility and not another hospital? We have mentioned that. Yeah, okay. Just yeah. saying again. But yeah, anyway. just just bring it back up. Because no one's building a hospital. No. Do you know who did though? Who? China. Uh-huh. They built it in like three weeks. Yeah. They put up a China. Uh, they, they put up a hospital. Yeah. So look, that's nonsense. Um, the next part that I want to get into is a British medical journal article that came out this week as well. Is the is the British Medical Journal a right wing conspiracy theorist tinfoil hat? Starting to sound like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so they they brought out this article this week, and this may go towards explaining some of the things that we're seeing. And I've also got a theory on this as well, okay. which I think I shared with you during the week. So, and this is also a link I'll put in the show notes. Uh, the article is this, uh, COVID-19, researcher blows the whistle on data integrity issues in Pfizer's vaccine trial. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but just to start off with, it says, revelations of poor practices at a contract research company helping to carry out Pfizer's pivotal COVID-19 vaccine trial raises questions about data integrity and regulatory oversight. Paul D. Thacker reports. So in autumn 2020, Pfizer... Paul D. Thacker has got massive balls. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Someone's got to guard yeah. that boy. Yeah. Um, he, he'll be looking for a GoFundMe page. Yeah. Very <laughs> shortly. Well, I don't know. The, and this is why I like the British Medical Journal. They, they, are, they seem to be one of the most legitimate publications left. Okay. As far as... Tell the, the truth. Telling the truth, yeah, actual, being actual scientists, Mm. uh, they do still appear to be, uh, they have the utmost integrity. So it says here, in autumn 2020, Pfizer's chairman and chief executive... sweating? I'm sweating heaps. Turn that back on. Uh, And you'll be able to see how shiny my head is in the video. (laughs) That whole side of the office is so shiny. Yeah, Alex was trying to get me to switch because he was worried about uh, the shine from my head, but I thought I'd just power through it. 
Uh, so, Pfizer's chairman and chief executive, Albert Bourla, released an open letter to the billions of people around the world who are investing their hopes in a safe and effective COVID-19 vaccine to end the pandemic. As I said before, we are operating at the speed of science, which is a good quote. That's beautiful. Right. So I guess what that's supposed to indicate is that they're going extremely quickly, but they're not, they're, they're dotting their I's and crossing the T's. And it'll be the science's fault when it's wrong. Well, yeah. It's funny that you say that. I've got a theory. Uh, but for researchers who are testing Pfizer's vaccine at several sites in Texas during that autumn, speed may have come at the cost of data integrity and patient safety. A regional director who is... Who cares about any of that shit? <laughs> yeah. Just, I was trying to make money here. Yep, just get it out. Operation yeah. Warp Speed. Yeah, yeah. A regional director who is employed at the research organisation Ventavia Research Group has told the BMJ, which is the British Medical Journal, that the company falsified data, unblinded patients... So, if you guys don't know, don't know what unblinded means, the, the tippy-top of... Uh, of research is double-blind, placebo-controlled trials. And the whole point of double-blind, it means the patients don't know whether or not they've got the the drug or a placebo, mm. and the researchers don't know which patients got yep. the drug or the placebo. And the people administering, I believe, don't get... So they yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so... So, so no one words, knows. No, no one, one knows. knows yeah. Because then you can just go, okay based on their ID numbers or whatever it is, this person got this, experienced this, and then the researchers can put two and two together. Yep. Uh, it stops you from having biases, and, and obviously a lot of these people who do these trials, they go in with a certain outcome that they would like mm. in mind, and it stops you from just fudging the details yep. to get to that outcome. Not that it matters, because they're going to get the approval they want anyway. Yeah. So... So just to repeat, that company falsified data, unblinded patients, employed inadequately trained vaccinators, and was slow to follow up on adverse events reported in Pfizer's pivotal phase three trial. Staff conducted, oh sorry, staff who conducted quality control checks were overwhelmed by the volume of problems they were finding. After repeatedly notifying Ventavia of these problems, the regional director, Brooke Jackson, emailed a complaint to the US Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA. Ventavia fired her later the same day. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. <laughs> Your daughter's too real. Yeah. Jackson has provided the B- BMJ with dozens of internal company documents, photos, audio recordings, and emails. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing. <laughs> it would take too long. I honestly, I encourage you to go and read this article. Are you going to post is, that up? I'll, I'll post this up. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. It is fascinating and. And but what I find interesting is that parallels with what we're seeing now. That's right. So it, it, it's it's no... And we've been talking about it for 12 months now. Yep. Like, this was bound to happen. And when it happened, we just blocked our ears and said... And blocked our eyes and just said, no, 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 yeah, no, no. Just, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's yeah. fine, it's fine. It's not fine. And it never li- was fine. And we're literally in a situation now where my number one concern with this is that we will find out in a few years' time that the cure is way worse than the disease. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I've just scrolled down to another little bit here. So, concerns raised. Uh, in her 25th of September email to the FDA, Jackson wrote that Ventavia had enrolled more than 1,000 participants at three sites. The full trial, uh, registered under blah, uh, enrolled around 44,000 participants across 153 sites that included numerous commercial companies and academic centres. She then listed a dozen concerns she had witnessed, including participants placed in a hallway after injection and not being monitored by clinical staff. Lack of timely follow-up of patients who experienced adverse events. 
protocol deviations not being reported, vaccines not being stored at proper temperatures, <laughs> mislabeled laboratory specimens, and the targeting of Ventavia staff for reporting these types of problems. Uh, within hours, Jackson received an email from the FDA thanking her for her concerns and notifying her that the FDA could not comment on any investigation that might result. A few days later, Jackson received a call from an FDA inspector to discuss her report, but was told that no further information could be provided. She heard nothing further in relation to her report. In Pfizer's briefing document submitted to an FDA advisory committee meeting held on the 10th of December 2020 to discuss Pfizer's application for emergency use authorization of its COVID-19 vaccine, the company made no mention of the problems at the Ventavia site. The next day, the FDA issued the authorization of the vaccine. Yeah. Like, this is, this is scary stuff, guys. But I also have a theory about this too. Right. So... Uh, a, a Stop few, starting the um, yeah. sentences with so. Yeah, thanks. A few weeks ago, the Project Veritas guys released a lot of the undercover footage that they had uh, of interviews with Pfizer scientists. Sure. And part of that video was actually one of the scientists talking about how Pfizer had taken 3,000 samples from patients and sent them off for independent testing. And they, the journalist asked, oh, is that to test whether or not the vaccine works? And I was saying, no, it's to test whether or not these heart attacks have been caused by the vaccine itself. Yeah, right. I can't help but feel like maybe this is starting to come out now because then Pfizer can go, oh, this independent research company right. that we use to run our trials... They falsified data. They've let us down. They've let us down. This is their fault. Don't lose faith in Pfizer. This isn't Pfizer's fault. It's these dodgy research companies that, that we've used. We try to do everything independently, blah, blah, blah. And it also embroils the FDA. The FDA yeah. is more to blame than what Pfizer is. That's Pfizer's right. Pfizer's trying to create the product. Yep. They jump through the hoops that they need to, mm -hmm. but it's up to the FDA to regulate and to make sure that, that, that all the checks and balances are in place, That's not right. the person who's selling it. That's right. So there is another part of that article which states that out of the 153 sites that we use to conduct these trials, only nine of them were actually inspected by the FDA after that email that was sent through. And they should be inspecting every site anyway on something that is so important that you're going to be mass rolling out to people at speed. Mm. Do you think it was the nine closest to where they live? Possibly. <laughs> it was Maybe it was the only nine that they know uh, do everything by the book. Yeah. Because not one of the Ventavia sites was, uh, inspected. was inspected. No way. So nine out of 153, after a complaint was made by the, one of the most senior people at the Ventavia sites, and the FDA didn't even bother to inspect any of the Ventavia sites. So history, history is going to vindicate a site. Mm -hmm. And obviously we have a belief that it's not going to look well. Yeah. Uh, I still believe every single day we're getting lied to, and there's too much evidence to support Mm. our way the real question is i suppose what side of what side of history do you want to be on do you know what really concerns me too so with with you like did it again oh, fuck. <laughs> with with the roadmaps in australia one thing that every single state has experienced and will continue to experience is that they keep moving the goalposts yeah every page that you flip there's more dog shit on it yeah and 
it's like need to be 70% double dose and then we can open up. Oh, hold on, it's 80%. Oh, hold on, it's 90%. Now you got Brad Hazard in New South Wales saying, I won't even be comfortable at 95%. And one of, like, I really hope this isn't the case, but one of the absolute concerns I've got is that they know full well how many negative reactions that we're having to this stuff. So they want 100% of the population to be vaccinated so there is no control group to compare to which was the exact same technique used was it by uh, who, who did the test in america where they got a control group and a uh so they had a vaccinated group and a placebo group and then they grabbed the placebo i think that was pfizer they yeah. vaccinated the, the placebo group as well so there was no control that's group. that's an interesting point that's i mean that's the best way to absolve yourself yeah that's right because then there's no data and then you can just blame it on something else oh there's this other super flu that just seems to cause heart inflammation and blood clots wow you know that's a pretty good um well think about it it's the difference for a lot of these politicians between essentially <laughs> you know potential jail time <laughs> or yeah. crimes against humanity yeah that's I'd never thought of it like that. That's huge. And I, I firmly am starting to believe now that this is a crime against humanity. It's it is disgusting the amount of pressure that government agencies and the media have put on regular people. Yeah. To what end? Yeah. To what end? Like to this day, I think we've had like was it sixteen just over sixteen hundred deaths in Australia with COVID, like, you can call bullshit on that stat as well because it's probably only a 100 of them that died from COVID, but everyone else just happened to have COVID when they died. And this is something... I can't remember if I brought this up last week. I think I did, but I'll just say it again. You know the stats are bullshit when an article will come out and they'll say that they had seven... uh, This one, this is from Victoria. This is an ABC article. They had seven people die overnight. Now... The other thing, too, is that they don't even say die of or with COVID anymore. Yeah, yeah. So they could have just had seven people die. None, none of them could have had COVID, for all we know. Yeah. But they say seven people died overnight, one of which was a 20-year-old girl who died with COVID, although of unrelated causes. That's literally yeah, what the yeah. article said. They plan it. They plan the idea. So yep. all you hear, 20-year-old girl, COVID. Yep. That's all you hear. 20-year-old, COVID, death. Yeah. So you associate the fact that young people can die with COVID and therefore you'll be scared enough to go and take this vaccine, which might do even worse to you. Yeah, It's disgusting. I, I sent you guys an article. Um, ABC, honestly, fuck you. Yeah. Like, I'm disgusted with the supposed journalism that you guys are putting out there now. You're supposed to be... You're, you're, you're nationally funded by the taxpayer for the taxpayer. Do your fucking jobs. Yeah. There was this article that came out recently and it was about how in certain uh wealthy suburbs in victoria they're having a hard time getting those people vaccinated right and they're doctors possibly well they're referring to them as wellness warriors who just think that because they're healthy they'll be fine Uh uh-huh uh that's been pretty true for everything else we've ever come up against yeah but listen to this, and I, I screenshotted this particular part of the, of the article. And our Israeli friends who... Uh, a study that came out of Israel, which completely disproves this, uh, might actually have something to say about this. So part of the section says, natural COVID immunity, in quotes, weak and short-lived. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, this, this wound me so up. listen to this. Dr. Bentevegna said his staff had received at least 10 exemption requests from people who were suffering from the virus. While some wrongly thought they would have a natural immunity, in quotation marks, against COVID-19 for an extended period, others were adamant they did not want a vaccine at all. In quotes. I think there's a component of fear and misinformation. I'm also seeing a cohort of people that don't seem to like being told what to do, which is unfortunate, Dr. Bentevegna said. In quotes. If you haven't been vaccinated and you sustain COVID-19, the natural immunity that you get from that is weak and short-lived. Therefore, receiving the COVID vaccine is still very important. So let's unpack that a little bit. <laughs> there was a recent study, well, it's not even that recent, it's probably over a month ago now, that came out of Israel that had 2.5 million participants in it, that's which pretty, showed... That's a pretty large cohort. That's a pretty large cohort, which showed that people who were infect, like naturally infected with COVID-19 had 27 times higher immunity than someone who was, uh, who was vaccinated. Double shot, COVID. yeah. Yeah, double dose vaccinated. Yeah. It was double dose at the time. Double dose and the 14 days... After the second dose. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's another stipulation which stuffs up all the statistics too. Yes, it does. So this is something I can't remember. I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but this is something that you guys might find a little bit staggering. If you are cla- in Australia at the moment, you are classed as fully vaccinated when you have had your like two doses and 14 days after your second dose has passed. That's the only time that your class was fully vaccinated. Yep. So if you get COVID 13 days after your second dose, they do not state that you're fully vaccinated. Yeah. So partially you're, vaccinated. So yeah, your class is like partially vaccinated yeah. or whatever. And you're 13 times more likely. So there's studies that have In that two-week period. In that two-week period. 13 times more um, yeah. likely to get COVID. Yeah. Now, just to keep unpacking this short... Thing. So the first paragraph, uh, Dr. Ventivegna said his staff had received at least 10 exemption requests from people who were suffering from the virus. They've already got the virus. Why are you going to vaccinate them? <laughs> yeah. So their immunity should be, according to science, 27 times higher than a vaccinated person. Yeah. They've already got it. If they're able to call your fucking office, then they're not like old mate from the Gold Coast who was so sick he couldn't even speak. Yeah. They can talk because they're saying, hey... I've already had the disease. I've now got natural immunity. Give me an exemption from getting the vaccine. Mm. That's insane. Because that's uh, that is was the US standard in some states, right? If you could show, like, for your passport, mm. if you could show either vaccination or previous infection, yeah. you're classed as yeah safe, yeah, clean, uh, washed. And it's just fascinating. While some wrongly thought they would have a natural immunity against COVID-19 for an extended period, others were adamant they did not want a vaccine at all. This is like one of the things that you guys really need to consider whenever you read a news article is who's writing it. Hmm. These people are supposed journalists. They're not medical professionals. Yeah. So how can this person say that someone wrongly thinks that they've got natural immunity? Are they like an immunologist? Fuck no. I read an article the other day that was about how your unvaccinated friend is 20 times more likely to give you COVID than your vaccinated friend. So what does your vaccine do? Well, no, no. It's your unvaccinated friend 20 times more likely to give you COVID than your vaccinated friend. Oh, right, right, right. Right? right. And then when you go through it, 
you realize real quick that they're starting, they're using a lot of terms like roughly and estimated. Yeah. Now, what I suggest that you do on any article like that that you read, scroll to the bottom and see what the uh, potential conflicts of interest can be. Because I'm pretty sure that most publications actually make people write them out now. And in this particular article, it was actually written by two scientists, essentially, from, I think one was from Monash University and one was from somewhere else, majoring in statistics. Now, you would think that anyone who majors in statistics wouldn't be using things like roughly or estimated. You know, they might actually go off stats. Yeah. But the other that thing... That sounds like someone who's failed their yeah. statistics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Participated in the statistics yeah, course. Yeah. <laughs> but what's fascinating is both of those people, it says at the bottom the majority of their funding comes from government funding. Mm. So, like we say all the time, follow the money. Yeah. And I'm sorry, if someone has a financial in- interest in a certain outcome, I'm not interested in listening to you. I, I, I want to be... I kind of want to be careful with that, that point. I don't... See, I don't think they... It's an indirect benefit, right? So these... A lot of these reporters that are writing extremely skewed articles, you mm-hmm. can tell by the way that they're, they're worded. Mm-hmm. It's not that they have been given a script and said, this is what you need to push. In some cases it might be, maybe mm-hmm. some higher ups. But on the ground, I can foresee you walking into the office and getting a vibe of what's happening inside yeah. the office and knowing if I post that, if I post this, this article... I'm not going to work here anymore. Yeah, you'll lose your funding. Yeah. And that's that's the issue, is if that's the case, shut your mouth. Don't write an article. If you're, like, these people are scientists. I'm sure they've got day jobs where they're actually supposed to be doing, like, science. And if they're working at universities, it might be research, it might be lecturing, it might be whatever. So shut your mouth. Don't write an article. If, you, if you're writing an article that maybe has the truth involved in it will lead you to lose funding and potentially lose your job, just don't write the article. How parallel is it to these Instagram stars that have mm. been offered money by state governments to push yeah. it? Insane. So we we live in a world now where we ban doctors and scientists from social media platforms because they speak against the narrative based on their science, like the science and their experience mm. and their a lot of the times clinical practice where they're actually treating COVID patients, for example, we ban those people from social media. And yet, governments then go to um, social media influencers and pay them money to advertise to their fans to get the jab. Mm. Hashtag science. It's insane, mate. And at the same time, let's get rid of nurses and doctors who aren't following. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're going through a pandemic that is so bad... And, and Delta is going to ravage the state of Queensland as soon as we open the borders, but we can stand down 4,000 medical staff. We don't fucking need them. Who needs we need, them? We needed them last year, though, right? So what changed? Who knows? Yeah, it is wild. It is wild. So, next... Oh, do you want to... You have something? You I, I, I just want to say again that, you know, the you've got the choice now, or some people do, of of being on the right side of history. And again, I'm yet to see, and we look for it. We, I mean, we mm. follow that Dr. John Campbell, who is a massive proponent of, and he was one of the 
guy's pushing the hardest, yeah, he's seeing it too. Yeah, that's right. And like some of the data we spoke about today, he told us. Yeah, right? I literally started following him. Be like eight months ago now because he was so pro-vaccine. Because I'm like, someone please show me why yeah. I should get vaccinated because I want to be balanced. Yeah. We, we said it a million times, guys. Like, obviously, we've got very, very strong opinions about what is happening. But this has come over 20 months of constant research, updating our thoughts on things, uh, looking at both sides. Like, I mean, it's hard not to look at the blue pillar side because it's just smashing in the face all day, every day, right? <laughs> like on corporate media, on, so- on social media, like you're constantly getting smashed in the face with it. And it's the same fucking lines. This is like, come up with something original. If you're going to have a good marketing campaign, make each article seem authentic. Yeah. Don't just... We still believe vaccination is the best way out of this. Yeah, it's, think... it's the most safe and effective way. Now that that's hey, all, all these people died from um, um, um uh, after vaccines. Vaccines are safe and effective. Yeah the 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 irritating thing for me is it's all just wordplay. And yeah. as as salespeople, we know what wordplay is, right? Yeah. And when you go on like the TGA uh, weekly safety report, it keeps saying things something along the lines of. Uh, Vaccines have still proven to be the uh, safest and most effective way to prevent uh, serious illness and death from COVID-19. So that sounds great, right? It sounds great. There's just a massive gaping hole. Yeah, there's just a massive gaping hole. The fact that all you have stated is that the the best way to protect yourself from COVID-19. And that may, in fact, be the case. Yeah. But what is the cost? You could get a heart attack because of it. Yeah, that's right. What is the cost? Mm. And we've spoken, I think, about before about that uh, gentleman I had a bit of a stoush with a little while ago, 37 years old, picture of health, uh, and he was extremely pro-vaccine because he had recently, months ago now, had a stroke, and the only reason why he recovered so well is because he got into hospital quickly enough, and he's concerned about unvaccinated people filling up hospital beds. The dude had recently been vaccinated. Mm. So I'm not saying that it was to do with the vaccine, but he said he'd never had a health drama beforehand, trained six days a week, eats a whole food plant-based diet, never had a health issue in the past, mm. gets vaccinated, has a fucking stroke at 37. Mm. I don't know. All I'm saying is when I look at the stats and there's like 30,000 people in my age group who've had COVID in Australia and 10 of them have died, I don't think I'm in the bottom 10 out of 30,000 when it comes to health. Yeah. I also factor in the fact I live in Queensland. It's a hotter climate. These uh, respiratory viruses don't spread around as easily as they do in other states yeah. just because of the climate. I'm making other steps to increase my immunity. I, I barely drink now. Yeah. You know, like I barely drink booze. I eat much healthier. I've been exercising. I never used to take zinc before, but I take zinc now. Yep, I take like, quercetin. Yep. Um, I, I make sure that I'm getting my vitamin D, so spending time outside. I've, you know, yep. I started my gym journey at the start of 2021 yep. to, to get healthy. I've definitely reduced the amount of alcohol that I've yep. had, except for last night. But So what, what just drives me bonkers is when people go, like, you're not doing, you're not doing the right thing by, by not getting vaccinated. It actually... It, it really, really pisses me off. I said it to a nurse friend of mine because she right. was like, you, you know, you should get it. And I told her why. And I said, how come I don't get any credit for the stuff that I do do to yeah. remain healthy? Yep. And she's like, 
she goes, no, that's fair. That's yeah. really fair. And, and like I said before, why doesn't the government come out and mandate that you have to exercise X amount of days a week mm. and you have to eat healthy food and they, you know, you can't buy fast food, you can't buy cigarettes. They don't, they don't do any of those things because yeah. it's not about fucking health. Yeah. Right? It's about lining someone's pockets. Now, speaking of politicians doing the right thing, uh, Senator Jared Rennick, who I think we may have spoken about last week, who's for some reason only recently come onto my radar, mm. but he's been flying the flag for a while. He's gone ham. <laughs> yeah. So he sent a letter to APRA this week. And APRA, A-H-P-R-A, is the, I think, Australian Health Practitioners Regulation Agency. Mm-hmm. And the letter says the following. This was on the 4th of November, 2021. Uh, so it's set to Mr. Martin Fletcher, who's the CEO of APRA. Yep. Dear Mr. Martin, I write to confirm if APRA has been threatening deregistration of medical professionals who raise concerns about the COVID vaccines as a result of adverse events that are presenting to emergency departments. I've been contacted by numerous medical professionals who claim this to be the case. Can you please clarify the situation for me and highlight which rule or regulation is being exercised by APRA regarding these demands? I've also had numerous complaints from constituents that doctors have advised them not to get the second vaccine because of an adverse reaction to the first, but will not write an exemption for fear of deregistration. I note that the Australian Constitution, Section 51, states that the Commonwealth Parliament may make laws for, in quotes, the provision of maternity allowances, widow's pensions, child endowment, unemployment, pharmaceutical, sickness and hospital benefits, medical and dental services, but not so as to authorise any form of civil conscription. This section prevents the Commonwealth from forcing doctors or nurses to undertake tasks against their will. Thank you for taking the time to read my correspondence, and I eagerly await your reply. So, this is something that we've mentioned, I think, in the past... Over the, over the last few months where and uh, where it really started to ramp up was remember early on in the vaccine rollout they were just like when the blood clot issue started showing from AstraZeneca and they were like oh if you're concerned about it just go and speak to your doctor just go and speak well, to your doctor well they didn't say that at first no they did no they didn't what because uh, I, I remember this very vividly okay what they spoke about first was indemnity no they told people to go and see their doctors. But then what happened in Melbourne, a whole bunch of doctors told people not to get the vaccine. Right. Then they brought out right. the indemnity. And then they pushed it harder to go. Then they it. pushed it real hard. Yeah. And what is concerning is it's one of, the, one of the, the hallmarks of our government here in Australia at the moment seems to be an ability to just pass a liability onto someone else. Yeah. So... It's not them saying... Like, the federal government still keeps claiming... ScoMo still claims that vaccination's not mandatory in this country. Get him out. Look at what's happening in this country. Yeah. For him to sit on the sidelines and go, no, it's not mandatory in this country, fuck off, mate. Yeah. Uh, then you add on the fact that then national cabinet meetings where ScoMo and the state leaders all get together by Zoom and talk about the vaccine rollout, those are exempt from freedom of information requests. So you can't, no one, not one of the Australian citizens will be able to do a freedom of information request to get the content of those meetings. So ScoMo's probably just sitting there going, hey guys, keep pushing it on them. Keep pushing, keep selling. It's a fucking sales meeting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can reach a little bit higher, <laughs> a little bit higher. Suckers reference for yeah. our car dealers out there. Yeah. Like, 
It's bonkers. So you you had the the governments trying to pass the ball down to the doctors and trying to get doctors to give the advice for people to go and get vaccinated. But then early on, the doctors were telling people, don't get vaccinated. So then what do they do? They gave the doctors indemnity because obviously a doctor's not going to go, hey, go and take this thing that might give you an injury and give you zero net benefit, which now that we know that the vaccine protection wanes after like five months, what is the net benefit? Mm. Uh, but then they, so then they gave them indemnity. Now, I think with that indemnity, I think we mentioned this before, uh, it sounds to me like there's a little figurative gun to their heads now as well going, hey, you guys are indemnified. You need to tell people to go and get vaccinated because if you don't, we're going to deregister you. Now, I'm going to say this too, and this might come across really poorly, so I apologize in advance if this is wrong, but if you are a doctor and you are so concerned about deregistration, but you're also concerned about the vaccine itself and potentially harming patients... If you're still telling clients to get vaccinated because you're worried about being deregistered, that that's just not good enough. I, How many people... I don't think it's happening. I, oh, sorry. I don't think it's happening in, in, in what? I don't think I, from anecdotal evidence mm. that I've gathered in my network, yeah. they're just not saying anything. Yeah, yeah. So if so, the only people that have actually engaged with the doctor and and them, the doctors had an opinion on it, was people that went in asking. Yeah. Okay. And in which case they said, "Well, yeah, yeah." But I know in my own personal experience, mm-hmm. I know a few, like, you know, a handful of people that have all been to the doctors. Yeah. Nothing's mentioned. So I think my, there'll be a lot of people. That's a that's a way of keeping your registration. Yeah. My wife's doctor. Um, because she's obviously pregnant at the moment, she went in to get a checkup and they asked if she had been vaccinated or was considering getting vaccinated. And obviously Amanda isn't vaccinated because she's pregnant. Yeah. Which brings me to another story I'll bring up yeah. as well. Uh, and they just sort of left it at that. Yeah. So it's like they asked the question. So maybe it's, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Maybe Check. it's like a box ticking yep. thing. We, we did our bit. And then we can move yeah, on. Yeah. So I think it's like a, um, it's like a silent protest. Yeah, I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I get you. It's, it's just being smart within the rules that you, that are given to you. Yeah, but but doctors, you've got to speak out. Like you, you are on the front lines. You're seeing what's happening. What you're seeing, what's coming through the door. And if you speak out and we're wrong, I'll cop that. I'm okay. The problem is, there's so much that we just we just seem to have so much information held back from us. Mm. A, a cynical person like myself just puts it all together. Mm. Now, like we were talking about like leadership, right? A leadership principle is you've got to empower your people with information because otherwise they're going to come up with the information themselves. Yeah. Right? So a leadership principle, if you're running a team or something like that, don't mushroom them. So don't feed them shit and keep them in the dark because then they'll usually come to the worst possible conclusions. Be open with them, get buy-in, everything's all good. Yeah. If everyone during the vaccine rollout right from the beginning was 100% open, honest, and transparent... You would have had way more buy-in. Yeah. People would be doing what was right. That's right. But then when you get, you know, every single story that comes out just adds more and more distrust to the system. And I, I honestly, I feel really, really bad for people who are vaccinated, who maybe now are regretting it. 
And I, I want to say to you guys, heart goes out to you. Please, if you have any of those symptoms like I described earlier, please go and see a doctor straight away. Mm. Because, you know, like everything, if you can get treatment early, you're going to have a better outcome. Have you noticed we're still not talking about early treatment in Australia? We're, so we're just talking about getting boosters every six yeah, to 12 months? Yeah, why we ordered 30,000... 300,000. 300,000 courses of like the thing that gets rid of it and 70 million vaccine doses. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure the shelf life of Pfizer is not that long. Because I've, I've heard reports yeah. of ha- having to ditch... Because uh, there was, a, there was a, a doctor up in Cairns who was giving the stuff that was about to... Expire. Expire. So, like, just, um, we're getting boosters now. Like, right. it's not, not approved, but he's like, oh, otherwise I'm going to throw this stuff out. You just want to use it. So, yeah. Which sounds like a great concept. But if we've got yeah. 70 million doses coming, how hard is that push going to be when they hit the ground? Because mm. you've only got a... I thought there was only like a 30 or 60 day... We might have to confirm that. But yeah, yeah. I thought there was only a very short shelf life because of the the temperature that the Pfizer in particular needs to be kept at. Yeah, yeah. I thought it had a very, very short shelf life. Yeah. Look, it's, it's interesting. We've got tonight. 70 million of them. What are we going to chuck them in the ocean? I know we're checking toilet water to see if there's any... <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. it's honestly, it's just it's crazy. Um, what I was going to say before about the pregnancy thing. So, another British medical journal, and I'll have to find the link for it because I don't have it handy. Article that came out the other day was how uh, apparently after re-examining that. Oh, sorry, I missed a very key point from earlier on with the first British medical journal article. In that, Ventavia had been hired by Pfizer to do multiple trials after this phase three trial. And the trials were things such as the one on pregnant women, mm. the I think the one for kids, mm-hmm. and the booster shot. So this this company, which has clearly fucked it up, it's probably the best way of putting yeah. it, Pfizer's gone back to them and used them again for these other three very important trials, which they're then using to approve... Uh, these doesn't matter. Miss Jackson's gone. The yeah, it'll run just the way they want it to. Well, that's the thing. So the British Medical Journal had that article recently about how uh, pregnant women were getting miscarriages from <laughs> from having the vaccine, and yet even after that came out, like they were not the British Medical Journal, but all of the health experts were still saying, and like in Australia, we're still telling pregnant women to go and get this vaccine whilst they're pregnant. And one of the ways they're trying to sell it is, oh, if you get vaccinated, then the antibodies that you develop will go through, like, to the baby. And, mm. you know, then the baby's going to have immunity from COVID too. So... Is that two weeks after, but only for five months? And then yeah, so by the time they actually come out, they won't have any immunity. I think they'll have the needle waiting for when the, when the baby comes out. Oh, yeah, straight yeah. onto them. Uh, but... Anyway, one of these studies, they have just called for a halt to vaccinating pregnant women because they've gone and re-analyzed the data from the studies because what they have found was that, like we were saying before about the fully vaccinated thing, they were counting people in the unvaccinated group who had issues, even though they were fully vaccinated, but it was just within that two-week period afterwards. Oh, yeah. So they were sort. So basically, it's really skewed the numbers towards it looking like everyone who got vaccinated was was fine, 
but it was because there were so many people within that period of time that had issues that just dumped into the unvaccinated. Yeah, and it just skews the numbers yeah. in the complete wrong direction. So, look, it's just... At this point in time, it's beyond a joke. And the number one concern is obviously people's health and the long-term effects of this. And guys, if you still believe that getting vaccinated is going to put life back to normal, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah, what can you do that we can't? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Mate, my, I've said it before. My father-in-law hasn't seen my wife while she's been pregnant. He got vaccinated because, like, he lives in northern New South Wales. He got vaccinated because at the time they said, if you're fully vaccinated, you can come into the border. Mm. The week that he got his second shot, they changed the rules. He hasn't been able to come up to see his pregnant daughter. Yeah. He's fully vaccinated. Still can't come up. Yeah. What's the point? Like, what's the point? So the only way that this stuff stops is if we stop it. Yeah. We, the people, have the power. I saw the signs on the highway on the way up that... Um, uh, is it Kingston Road? Kingsford Kingsford Smith. Smith was closed mm. for an event. There's a protest up mm. in Brisbane today. Uh, freedom protest. More and more people are starting to speak out about this stuff. Vaccinated or unvaccinated. Yeah. More and more people are starting to speak out. Because I think people are realising now that now you're just on the hamster wheel anyway. Even if you're vaccinated, now it's just every six months. Otherwise, you're going to lose your vaccinated status. Daniel Andrews, you, your mate, <laughs> your, your brother, uh, said at a press conference a couple of weeks ago that now it's just going to be all about um, keeping your vaccination status up to date. So it, it's only going to be a vaccinated economy in Victoria. Yeah. And if you don't get your booster shot, you'll lose your vaccination status and therefore uh, you will be unable to participate in the vaccination economy. He's got economy. a lot of jabs to sell before uh, he's ousted in November next year. Yeah, well, it depends a lot on this uh, permanent pandemic legislation, doesn't it? Because if he locks out people who are going to vote against him, he might not get ousted. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> thank you for joining. If you made it this far, like and subscribe. Yeah. Uh, if you have actually have made it this far, um, put a little thing in the um, uh, put a little comment, um, and I'll give you a little prize. Yeah, nice. All right, guys. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you next RDO.